Yeah, I I was listening to a podcast um, with Dak Shepard, F1 with DRS. Um, and he's really, really knowledgeable and really funny. And he knows cars inside and out. Like he's been a huge F1 fan forever. And I just feel like someone like that, who has a really close relationship with Daniel Ricciardo already, would do a really great job in that scenario because so much of it is about your partnership and the chemistry that you have with that person. Because there's a lot of just kind of dead air when you're doing a broadcast like that. Is there anyone that doesn't have an F1 podcast right now? It's so in right now. Damn. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's it for the Gridiron Podcast. Well, Signing six off. episodes in, we're out. We'll see you never. Uh, it's been fun. We'll go back to football or whatever. Just do. Oh, uh, <laughs> no one has football podcasts either. Speaking of getting the party started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is episode six of the Great Iron Podcast. Welcome back. It, it, we got a lot to talk about, folks. I'm Nick Shook. That's Katie Caldwell back on the show after missing the podcast last week because she was too busy galvanizing through the United States. Just no, 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 no. She was galvanizing. She was galvanizing and galvanizing. Yeah, she's right there. That's Sean Barry down there at the bottom. If you're watching on YouTube, you can always watch us on Twitch. Join the conversation on both platforms by hopping into the live chat and giving your takes on what we are going to discuss here on the Gridiron Podcast, where we discuss football and Formula One. The, the F1 is the grid part of Gridiron, and you know the rest with football and Gridiron. So, I mean, the iron? Oh, there we go. Yeah, no. I, I, <laughs> do, do we need to do this again, Sean? I, think, I mean, we're yeah, going to continue no. to explain it, but I mean, you know, two plus two is four. Sean, do we need to go through your multiplication tables next? Is- I live in Florida. Two plus two can be whatever it wants to be. That's, that is very true. That's <laughs> a great point. It's episode six, and we're going to jump straight into what was a wet and wild weekend in Katie's home nation. Not really close. I'm learning geography You know, now. It's like um, Rosetta Stone, but it, with geography. Um, I, there's a bunch of other apps for that now. I'm learning that Montreal is not near katie where she is you are much closer to it than i am my friend <laughs> yes that nathan said nathan nick oh, I'm, your, uh, I'm your brother oh okay yeah you're I'm my brother cool. now i'm naming really you after awesome. my brother nick. no i was gonna say i mean it's the second largest country by landmass in the world nick i mean that's like saying you know cleveland is close to la they're not actually if you ask the average person in the midwest bridget has dealt with this plenty um Oh, where are you from in california i'm, I'm from the bay area where like we're in the bay area oakland oh is that like Next to LA? No. Idiots. You like to wear oh. LA hats around here, but you obviously don't understand your geography. So I know pot calling kettle too, black. too early in this country. I know, I know. So and in no, Montreal, don't cover it, again. it rained a lot. It didn't rain here, even though we're closer than Katie is to Montreal. Um, oh, I am. Sean's not. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. It, it rained in practice. It rained during quality. It made for a very, very interesting uh, grid entering Sunday's race, including for a moment, a Haas on the front row. Now, let me tell you guys, that was the highlight of maybe not the month, but certainly of the week. I mean, even though it was eventually pulled back by penalty, for a moment, seeing a Haas on the front row next to Max Verstappen, I felt like we were in a fever dream that I was never actually going to realize, which is why, of course, the FIA had to pull that from us. It was a crazy session. that really really kind of reordered a lot of things and put some people in some interesting positions to 
capitalize, one of those being Mr. Alex Albon. But before we get to that, why don't we actually just talk straight up about the race results? Because we've been doing these podium predictions now, and anybody who's ever been involved in the prediction game knows it can get a little contentious, a little competitive when it comes to saying, hey, this is who's going to win the race. Let's, let's revisit our predictions real quick, guys, okay? Let's revisit those. And Katie, who submitted hers in the 11th hour, even though she wasn't here with us last week. It was before practice. But after we recorded the podcast. <laughs> Let the narrative no. continue. I won't accept any of this 11th hour. That seems like I did it after quality, and that is simply untrue. That's true. You're right. I, I should be clearer about that. But Katie, what were your predictions? Uh, number one, Max. Number two, Lewis. Number three, Fernando. So that was looking good for a while. And then Fernando passed Lewis, but I feel good but, about that. I mean, you got all three of them. You got yeah, all three yeah, yeah. order. I would also like to have a word about my Spain predictions because those did not come up on the pod that I missed. And you were kind of going through the doc like, do we have any predictions? Oh, no, we don't have Katie's. And I was screaming, listening to it like, yes, you do. Your girl bet on the Mercedes upgrades before FP1 even started. My bold prediction was that two Mercedes would be in the top four, and they were in the top three. Katie, would you like to both give me the lottery numbers and handle my money for going forward, <laughs> please? Uh, no, this is it. It's only going to happen twice, and then that's it. The rest of my predictions have been really bad, <laughs> so that's why I really needed to bring this one up. I mean, it was it was uh, quite the day, I think. Really for, uh, I don't know, I mean, going back to Spain, Mercedes has been a better car. They've just been significantly better. They finally ditched the side pod thing. They, they you know, conformed with most of the other cars on the grid. Realized well, they didn't they, ditch the side pod. That was their problem to begin with. Well, yeah, the, literally speaking, yes. They, but they ditched their old design for something with more girth to it, in a matter of, of speaking. <laughs> There's certainly more mass to those sides. Mercedes is girthy. That's all the trick you think. <laughs> yeah, and, and they've been a better car since, and Lewis ends up on the podium. In, in what I think, given all circumstances, is probably the best podium we can get in F1 this season, outside of, like, you know, the people that we're really rooting for on the side, you know, like the Albans or... You know, some of the, the underdogs, the, the Landos, you know, those types of people. Um, it's hard to dislike what we ended up getting, which was Max, Fernando, and Lewis uh, on the three podium positions there. I mean, it, it's a crowd pleaser of sorts. And it's good to see another car outside of Fernando driving an Aston that he's driving the wheels off of at least give a little bit of a challenge and make, make the midfield more interesting. So kudos to you, Katie, for identifying that prior to the fact. Sean, let's go down to your predictions. Oh, let's not. What? <laughs> I mean, I got ooh. so I got two out of three correct. Yeah. I mean, I had Max Verstappen winning. Go figure. I had Sergio Perez coming in second. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, and then I had Lewis Hamilton coming in third. Again, I think I deserve props because I also recognize that Mercedes has taken a big step forward. And I think it was Total Wolf this weekend who said, we're not even done with our upgrades yet. We got more massive upgrades coming. We are going to basically take that next step up. Maybe they can become that true number two team in F1 at the moment. Um, anyway, Nick, your predictions. We more don't, we girth. Don't do, we don't, more we don't. substantial. <laughs> more girth. More wings. More side pods. Mercedes. Get me out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, Sean, yeah, I mean, all right, sure. I, I was about as bad as you when it came to the one of the three drivers because I also had Max winning. I had Lewis finishing second. And then I had Carlos Sainz finishing third, which I don't know why I would ever trust a Ferrari, right? Why would you ever trust a Ferrari in any race, no matter the circumstances? 
I was uh, led to believe that they'd be better because they were better last year. And that was not necessarily the case, but that does actually kind of lead us to one of our topics, I think. I mean, we got a number that we can touch on that are kind of related to these predictions here, but I guess we'll kind of jump in line here a little bit and go straight into, for the first time, even though none of them got on the podium, Ferrari's strategy actually worked. Katie, can you tell me some more about this? No, I'm still so confused by it. <laughs> we can't say that it worked for the whole weekend because naturally there was a big fight on the radio in qualifying and Charles was right. He was right that he should have put the slicks on at that exact time. Why are we getting a lap in on the inters when this time is going to do nothing when other cars are on the slicks? Oh, well, Max, it, it, it doesn't matter what tires Max is on. And so, yes, they screwed up qualifying, but... It was really confusing because I was almost waiting the whole race, like, how are they going to screw this up? And then they didn't. And we're so not used to seeing that. And I'm not even a Ferrari fan, but I just have so much empathy for the fans because it it's so painful to watch it happen again and again and again. And it finally didn't. They both had a pretty good drive. Ferrari just need to listen to their drivers more, especially Charles Leclerc, because they know what they're talking about. They see the conditions. And I'm not going to say that Ferrari necessarily listened to him during the race on Sunday, but he obviously drove his ass off. Give that to, I want to give this result to Charles, not to the Ferrari strategists, but to Charles, because for once they didn't mess things up. That's not, that's not something you need to give someone a pat on the back for. You need to give them a pat on the back when they do something good, not when they don't do something bad. If that's the, if that's the bar we have set for Ferrari, they're in trouble still. That's true. But I mean, I, 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 yeah, I agree with you, but I think I still give them some credit for the fact that, you know, they jumped from eighth and 11th in qualifying all the way up to fourth and fifth. I mean, is that a demonstration of the car? You know, we were just talking about this before the show started that, you know, you had helmet Marco going on record, you know, maybe trying to continue, you know, fuel up the F1 content machine and what is otherwise a pretty sleepy season, considering how much Max has dominated this season that, uh, he's, he said they were faster than Max and that he's he's worried about them. I mean, is the machinery actually that good? And it's just a matter of them not getting out of their own way. And for once, they kind of got out of their own way, even though they had to clear a few hurdles because they couldn't get out of their own way the day prior in qualifying? Or is it just, you know... They- you, you, re- you remember last season, though, when Ferrari was clearly heads and shoulders above everyone as the second best car. Like, it wasn't as good as Red Bull. It could be, but it was clearly the number two car because Mercedes got off to such a terrible start with their porpoising problem and their side pop problem. Uh, Aston Martin wasn't very good last year. Uh, Alpine was the solid number four team, but you didn't have anyone else that was challenging them. They still have the same car as they did last year. It's a very, very good car, but now you also have Mercedes that has finally caught up to the rest of everyone, and you finally have Aston Martin. Uh, not finally, but you have Aston Martin who just took this massive leap from last year to this year. So they just there's more competition at the top of the pecking order in F1. It's not that Ferrari have stepped up to the plate. They were always there. They're just, like you said, Katie, not screwing it up right now well and everyone around them is just getting so much better like for me when i watch the races now it's exciting to almost just take max out of it and then pretend that fernando and lewis are racing for p1 like that is my personal driver's championship <laughs> as i'm watching it because max is just so good that we barely even see him on the broadcast so for me i've kind of had to pivot it in my brain but for ferrari like last year 
I think I've said this before on the pod, but before every race, I like to go back on race week and watch the race from the last year. And it's so crazy. Like I'm guilty of forgetting that last season Ferrari was ahead for many, many, many races. And yes, Red Bull had reliability issues. There were issues that came up, but Ferrari was up there and not just for one or two races, it was for a long time. And now you see these other constructors around them. Aston Martin took a huge jump. Alpine looks way, way better. Like it, and the Mercedes upgrades are finally working. They aren't the automatic number two anymore. They're not even the automatic number three, number four. Like it, if I'm Ferrari, I'm not feeling good about how much pr- progress the other teams are making right now. Well, it kind of levels the playing field behind Max. Because even Checo is having a hard time getting through a lot of them, right? I mean, even though he's in equal machinery to Max, he's not driving the car as well as he is, which I don't know if that's necessarily like I'm wearing a Max shirt. So you're like, oh, he's going to be, it just shows how good of a driver Max is. I don't know if it's necessarily the case, or maybe it's more Checo just struggling with the car. Everybody has their own preferences the way a car drives. Just ask Lewis about how bad that Mercedes was last year when George is essentially outperforming him down the stretch. So it's all about preference and everything else. But it's interesting that when you do get, the Mercedes in there and you get the Aston in there and then it, it, it adds more competitors. It makes for a more captivating midfield than we probably had even a few races ago to the point where, you know, what lap 20 something on Sunday, you have, you know, Fernando hitting the DRS and getting around Lewis and then Lewis charging right after him and almost getting another pass before Fernando ended up clearing him. Uh, I mean, that was probably one of the most riveting moments in the entire race was, all right, here he goes. Here's his best run. They're down the back DRS straight as they go toward the start finish straight and going into that final chicane right before the wall of champions. And he just lets it loose, cuts inside. They come out. Lewis gets good grip right out of the exit. And I'm like sitting there going, oh man, here we go. Here we go. It has nothing to do with the leader. Like, and it's still entertaining. And if you can get more of that in the midfield, then we can have a reason to watch races this season, right? I'm happy the midfield is really exciting because sometimes... I don't know if this is a bad take and I get roasted for it, but sometimes greatness can be really boring. It's just the reality of it. When the Patriots win every year, and that's different because there's, it's a team, there's kind of more that can go wrong. But like it, like Lewis, when he was good for so long, it just wasn't as exciting because you just felt like you knew who was going to win the race. Like, And he'll always go down as one of the best in history. Like Greatness isn't always super exciting, but then we'll look back and it's magnificent that we got to witness it. But in the moment, you might not always think of it that way because you want to show up on a Sunday to a really exciting race. You- so I am grateful that there is a lot of excitement around it and that there's drama between Max and Checo. Like, I don't think Checo should be this far back. Like, there's, there is so much to still talk about. I think that I was going to say next point. Go ahead, Sean. You, 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 you go back to the year before Max won his, I won in air quotes, his first uh, F1 title. And you had that battle in the midfield for number three between McLaren, Renault, and um, who was the third team? Uh, Racing Point at the time. So you had that great battle that came down to that last weekend in Abu Dhabi when uh, Lando and Carlos were able to, you know, get clear of Racing Point. And you're right, that that made the season more fun to watch because we knew Mercedes and Rebel were going to be one, two. But the fact that you had three teams fighting so closely until the end just for that third spot to be best of the rest, it was, you're right, it was exciting. And it, it gave us a reason, a reason to watch. Another reason to watch, which we just kind of alluded to here in a, a second ago, is because Max is so dominant and Checo is not, 
Well, we have a great a question here from the viewership there. That's that's my guy Logan saying is check on the hot seat or is he doing exactly what Red Bull wants? I don't know. Let's open it up for discussion here. I don't think they want him, you know, qualifying in the teens and just being so far behind Max. They don't need him this season to do what he did two years ago or really even last year. I mean, the guy already has two race wins this season in the first, what, five races. So he's shown what he can do with that car, but three straight races, no podiums. When you're a Red Bull driver, you know, that automatically puts you on a hot seat. You look at what happened to Pierre Gasly. You look at what happened to Alex Albon. They weren't scoring podiums. They weren't as close to Max as they should have been or could have been, and they got canned quickly. Red Bull is not afraid to say sayonara, and they might just be saying konnichiwa after this season. Ah, you see what I did there? Ah. <laughs> or they might be saying good I don't know. Good day. Good day. I don't think it's necessarily either of those categories, though. Like, I think for them, a perfect world would be he's competitive enough, but not so competitive that you have to worry about them wanting to be a 1A, 1B. Like, in a perfect world, I think Max goes out and he dominates, and Checo is always there, maybe a second, maybe a third, maybe P4, but you kind of always want him to be in the top two, three, four. But in what world was, uh, sorry, in what world was Checo realistically a 1B? Like, yeah, he he, he always says, like, oh, I think wait I can a minute, win a championship, wait a minute. but he never was. Wait a he minute. never was. We, did we not have this period? Did we not? Okay, and that's a good point, Katie, but did we not have this period, uh, what, four races ago where we were just talking about that? Was was there not a period last season where we were talking about this? But we you know thinking- it wasn't actually going to ha- like. Did you actually ever believe, Nick, that Checo was going to, for 23 races, be toe-to-toe with Max Verstappen ever no, in your wildest but mind? I think it would have been interesting enough that maybe it got close, and it just hasn't. It, it, I, and it's really fallen off a cliff this I year. I thought it would be closer than this, to be honest, I, because you're right. Like I said, three straight races, no podium. That's the thing that's probably irking Helmut Marko and Christian Horner the most is, all right, we know you're not going to beat Max, and we really don't want you to, but we also don't want you to be finishing, you know, 10th, 11th, or like qualifying 13th. Like, enough of this. Yeah, because... Isn't the goal still to win the constructors title? Like, yeah, drivers championship as quickly as is obviously possible, number yeah. one, but it's the it's the constructors title that matters. Like when Max won the first one, Mercedes still won the constructors. It wasn't until last year that Red Bull won both. After Mercedes had been winning both annually, that's not good enough. Even if you're going to get the drivers ch- title, that's still not good enough. And and the results that we've seen from him, it, it especially in qualifying, he's just had bad weekends. Like, yeah, he finished sixth in this race. And, you know, that was pretty good considering where he started. But at the same time, that was all kind of a product of their strategy, the performance of the car, everything else going on around them, that that he was able to get up to that point. Um, That's not the competitive number two driver that you want that is going to be able to win the constructors, especially if Mercedes is going to be, you know, pretty consistent throughout. Because, like, let's face it, guys, we're still pretty early in the season. Like, I know it feels like it's a foregone conclusion because Max is going to run away with it. But we're still pretty early in the season when it comes to constructors. And if Mercedes, if George and Lewis, which George obviously did not hold up his end of the bargain this past weekend, if they're both pretty consistent and they're both finishing top six, top five, get a few podiums, maybe one of a few of them, maybe they sneak in and win a race because things, you know, go haywire elsewhere with Max. Maybe his car fails or he blows the tire, you know, on the front stretch of Baku a few years ago. Uh, then, then it might get interesting. And that really falls on the fact that Checo is not holding up his end of the bargain. And at that point, you 
like you alluded to, Sean, got to consider making a change. It feels like at this point, he's been in racing long enough. I think I saw something about how um, he had, I can't remember exactly what the stat was, but it like went back to his first career start or something that happened like 11 years ago for him at F1. He's been around for a long time. This is not a team that usually attaches itself to older drivers. Maybe it's the number two sometimes, but in recent years, they've been all about the younger drivers. I feel like we're like on this slow march toward finding a replacement. Okay, but so going back to what you just said, they don't attach themselves to older drivers. They did this year. They brought in Daniel Ricardo as not a reserve driver, a quote-unquote third driver. So if you do can Checo after the season, which he's under contract through the end of next year, not this year, do you do you make a change? Do you buy him out and do you bring back Daniel Ricardo in? Or do you hand the reins over to Yuki Tsunoda? I think I think Yuki's body of work is still too early because he has had a good start to this year. You need to see how he does a full year in that crap car. Yeah, I, it's, I it's 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 a it's a it's a sexy pick because he is like Mister Consistent right now. He's doing what George did at Williams, but like at the same time, you brought back Daniel for a reason. Oh well, I mean the reason right now is that he can go do an alternate broadcast with Will Arnett. Did anyone watch that? I did not. Oh. It was bad. No, I caught the ending tag where he just goes, that's Daniel Ricardo. I'm Will Arnett. Thanks for watching. And then it went back to whatever was on ESPN. That was it. It felt a little awkward. As it a, felt as a-, a little like Will Arnett is so funny and he wasn't really leaning into that. Like it felt like he was kind of trying to be the like professional broadcaster. And then Daniel, like we've seen him be so comfortable on camera and so funny and so charismatic. And I think it was just a little awkward. Like, and I think even like um, Peyton and Eli on Monday Night Football, they have such rapport to the, for their whole lives. But even that felt a little awkward right at the beginning. Like, I feel like it was just something that they weren't necessarily set up to really excel right away. Like, it just felt. Okay, yeah, we got a, a comment from Logan. He said Marshawn was great. Russ was meh. Marshawn is good in anything he's ever placed in because that man can do no wrong. <laughs> oh, because he's his authentic self no matter the role. Yeah, it just felt a little clunky and like it could grow into something wonderful because I think those two are both really funny and just really great on camera. But yeah, I I was listening to a podcast um, with Dak Shepard, F1 with DRS, um, and he's really, really knowledgeable and really funny. And he knows cars inside now. Like he's been a huge F1 fan forever. And I just feel like someone like that, who has a really close relationship with Daniel Ricardo already would do a really great job in that scenario because so much of it is about your partnership and the chemistry that you have with that person. Cause there's a lot of just kind of dead air when you're doing a broadcast like that. Is there anyone that doesn't have an F1 podcast right now? <laughs> so in right now. Damn. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's it for the Gridiron Podcast. <laughs> well, six off. episodes in, we're out. We'll see you never. Uh, <laughs> it's been fun. We'll go back to football or whatever. Just do, oh, uh, <laughs> no one has football podcasts either. <laughs> yeah, my guy Madden says me <laughs> laugh my ass off. Yes, I know you don't have a football podcast. Check out Madden on Twitch at Mad Chef underscore. He's a great guy to hang out with and watch him play video games. Um, a, a number of games, none of them being um, talking about a football podcast. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like we we already talked about this with the Miami thing. Like they've, they've kind of jumped the shark on the whole 
like Americanization. And, and once it becomes clear that something is popular, like if you're not in on the ground floor, then everybody tries to get in on the third floor. And then what happens is nobody can get up from there. I mean, it just becomes too top heavy. It gets oversaturated and we're already headed that direction when it comes to F1 coverage in this country. Um, but the, the downside to that is you get a lot of fans who are just like in it because it's the latest thing. Like they don't actually necessarily enjoy the sport. They're just like, yeah, I'll watch the race. It's like Super Bowl Sunday when everyone's like, yeah, they, uh, they kicked a touchdown or something like that. You know, like you deal with that kind of thing. <laughs> you kind of get the same thing. I, I, did a, uh, I did a story a couple of weeks ago with a, an Indy 500 driver, and he just runs a racing school, uh, you know, uh, around Tampa. He's from here. And um, I, I said it, his racing school is is formula cars. So I walk in, there's all these deconstructed cars with like, they're like mini cars. Like they got the wings on them though. And they've got the, you know, the spoilers. I'm like, oh, these are really cool. I'm like, how much can I do this? He's like, yeah, you, we provide everything. $4,500 for two days. I'm like, oh, okay. That's a little rich for my blood. Yeah, he was like, Yankees uh, fantasy camp. He was like, but I get calls every week from either kids or parents going, where can we go to learn how to drive the formula ones? And he was like, and I got to tell them like, do you no. have a billion? Do you have a billion dollars of personal wealth? Then give it up because it ain't happening. <laughs> yeah, how rich are your parents, kid? That's great, <laughs> yeah. dude. Where do we go to learn how to drive the fast cars and he, we see on he was like, He was like, it's all that drive to survive. He's like, and they all want to come here and be Formula One drivers, but it's not going to happen. Just like, yeah, well, at least they're signing the checks, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, to do your little fancy camp. Yeah, that, that's, that's accurate. Uh, Logan, meanwhile, said, he said, "Me. That's why I watch you guys, because he because we do football in Formula." Care, careful, Nick's going to invite a fourth on this podcast. That's how Katie wound up on here. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even get my consent. He just announced me as a I didn't third get host. Consent. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even get. I just told Sean. By the way, we're adding a third host, and Katie apparently didn't know either. And then I was just like, "This is our new co-host." <laughs> it's like, worked out. Uh, I mean, come on. You know, it has worked out. No, gotta, no, it has worked out. You just gotta. By the way, did did we skip? Did we give a damn? No, we do that later. Oh, okay. We can start now, but uh, I didn't want to start with that. I want. I, it, it feels good to get through the slow period of the NFL, but we can put it in different parts of the show, right? Uh, let's talk about the most fun thing from the weekend in Montreal before we wrap this up, which is Alex Albon is Katie's new prime minister. Absolutely. That was so fun to watch. That was such a joy. That's what I put in the rundown is that <laughs> Alex Albon, Canada's new prime minister. Uh, Williams, they were just on it with their strategy the entire weekend. And I love that the team lied to him about how many laps he had left on the hard tires. <laughs> and he saw it on the screen. There was 40 left and they told him 20. And he looked at the screen and he said, oh my God, I hope that isn't real. <laughs> but they had incredible strategy in qualifying. There was a part of me that kind of wished that the rain would come one session later and we saw Williams and Albon make that happen in Q3 and he would have started the race P1 but yeah he moved up six places in the drivers champ or in the drivers championship and then Williams was one place in the constructors but yeah he was just a joy to watch the entire weekend um serious question here but just cuz I don't know off the top of my head and didn't prepare for this um I mean, I prepared, but not for this exact question. Is this the highest a Williams has placed in like seven or eight years? Because no. where did DeVries finish that year, uh, last year? I think he was uh, P10, wasn't he? I think, yeah, I think he got either 10 or 9th, but remember. Oh, no, we're not talking about the, the victory 
lap, the, the parade in Spa. I'm that just saying count. you asked, that is that the count. highest of Williams has finished? Right, well, no, George Russell out. got a P2 at Spa in 2021. And he got nine points for it. Because he got half points that race. You asked, man. So on merit, was this actually the high? I mean, I, I'm curious. I didn't even think about this until just now. P7 is very high for a Williams in a mm-hmm. non-race uh, race instituted parade situation i mean that's that's big time i feel like george got a p9 here or there i know nick latifi he he got a p10 right he did the king scored a point eventually was he anywhere to be found this weekend was Uh, was our lord and savior there at all i didn't see him and i was really Uh, hoping to i was on latifi watch the entire every broadcast i tuned into i listened to the p1 podcast this week with matt and tommy and they said you know he's basically gone like silent he's gone ghost since uh retiring from f1 or retiring but being pushed out of f1 like he's just nowhere to be found at all i love that for him he's not in any kind of professional racing circuit at the time of this podcast he's probably got the money who cares you know, it's like go make it's, your money, go live I'm, your life on an island. Actually, guys, what would you do if you just had all the money in the world right now? What What would you do to pass your time? Katie, would you guys here, still be doing sure. this podcast? No. <laughs> and, instead, we'd, I'd be, we'd be holding weekly uh, virtual happy hours, which is essentially what these are anyway. Wow. That's if I why could Sean does myself, this podcast, just for the money. Yeah. If for I could the money, we're not getting paid. Right now, without leaving the studio entirely, I'd remove myself just for, just for the effect. My God, I feel so hurt. You don't like hanging out virtually, man? What the hell? You I, get, said, you a new friend? I said we would be doing a virtual happy hour. Eh, yeah, actually, that'd probably be more fun. Gently redeem yourself. <laughs> That's a, come on. I still like hanging out with you guys. Aww, we could do we it like if I had all the too. money in the world. I could fly you anywhere. and We could do it from a different location every week. That now, was the correct answer the first time. Now we're there talking. we go. Yes, yeah, there I didn't know. Go. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Not screw a virtual happy hour. <laughs> we're going to go to a real one in Honolulu, and then next weekend in Tokyo. All right. Do we have anything else we want to speak about here with this race? Yes. Um, about ahead. Alex Albon, I have one more really important point. About Bring Alex Albon. Solo <laughs> on, Katie. You have the podium. The floor is yours. My one of my favorite parts about the Alex Albon story was the Christian Horner of it all. It's like when you watch your ex thrive in a new relationship and you're romanticizing what could have been like, did I let go of it too early? Like he came out, he said that he was watching this race almost more than his own drivers. He was liking photos on Instagram of driver of the day. Like I got to wonder maybe if Christian and Helmet are starting to think about courting him again. Number two, he's going to get the return that Pierre Gasly so desired and never came close to getting. Wouldn't it be so amazing, though? He has I... driven really well this year. Like, he's done a great job yes. in a number of different circumstances. Even That in... car isn't that terrible. No. it's. Va- I think the Williams has the high in- highest variance per track. Like, yeah, I think I it's agree. the one that is so dependent because they have their straight line speed is so, so, so good. We saw that with the Alex Albon constant DRS train that just nobody could pass him. But yeah, on the corners, they just struggle so much. So yeah, that to me is the highest variance per track. Well, Did what, you their, see- their, their team principal said that they were three to five years behind in terms of basic facilities. Like he's, he just came through and realized like, oh my God, there's so much work to be done here. 
Did you see, though, the uh, pictures from uh, Monte Carlo of all the cars that were being lifted in the air to the floors? You had the Red Bull car, which is obviously like head and shoulders above everyone else. And the the, the secret to this this car, this formula is the floor. The floor is what drives the speed. And you had Red Bulls and then you had Mercedes and then you had the Williams car. And the underside of that car was as smooth as a baby's bottom. Uh. It was like, ah, I knew we forgot something on that car. <laughs> They have no floor design whatsoever. It's like if you turn over a matchbox car of a Formula One car and it's just smooth. It's just like as flat even, as a piece of paper. Even some matchbox cars have like, a little bit of texture down yeah, there. Yeah, it's like, uh, did they forget that to just do a floor period? They're well, sponsored by Fisher Price. It's just one big <laughs> piece of plastic. what it kind of looked like. Mattel oh, toys. It's like, Step what? Two. Like, well, we now know why Williams sucks. Like, they have oh no floor design God. whatsoever. No arrow on the floor. Well, no, Doesn't I'm, that make I'm, Albon just that much more impressive, though, that he can yeah, do that yeah, with that car? Yeah. It's a he knows audition. how to drive. Wasn't it, Alex it, knows how to drive. Uh, wasn't it until about a year or two ago that they didn't even have, like, an LCD display on their wheel? In their car? Like, you'd see the, co- mm. the cockpit display, uh, the yeah, camera, they, they every other a, car. Of- a butterfly wheel, yeah. Yeah, they had, the, and then because like everybody's got like the basic, you know, open rim type of thing, but what they had the butterfly wheel without the display on the wheel, and they just had like little like almost like analog clock numbers, like or digital clock numbers in front, like the real basic stuff you would have seen in a car in the '90s, and it's like basically still their setup. I, I remember seeing that, and being like, God, they really are poor. Like, I can't believe they don't have, <laughs> they haven't moved on from this yet. You, oh, you are poor. By the way, we have one. Uh, Nice suggestion here for our future uh, post uh, enriching. You know, when we get, we all get rich, we become super wealthy, and we just turn this into a happy hour. Big B says, "Every time Sean talks, you take a drink. That will be our drinking game." We would be dead within the hour. <laughs> I think I could hang for a bit, hour and a half. I think I could oh, do the whole pod. I trust you. I trust you. I definitely. I'm trust a Western you. Canadian. We can hang. <laughs> We learned Again, something today. Western, I, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know I what don't that know. means. For us. I, I don't know. Is I, that I, like, is that like Florida man? Right over my bald head. No, no okay. one is like Florida man in the world except Florida man. Australians come kind of close. Yeah, that's like Florida man light. I would say diet Florida man. Diet Florida man. Florida man zero sugar. Just a man. <laughs> I am Florida man. All right, uh, let's shift gears away from football with everybody's favorite segment of the show it's time for another rousing edition of do you even now today's con- contestant in do you even now is none other than the lady who has returned from her american excursion that is miss katie caldwell katie katie today's topic of choice is it the cfl Canadian sports trivia. Canadian Ooh. sports trivia. We're honoring the great north, the the true north, strong and free, because it was the Canadian GP and Canadian football started up this week. So, yeah, as Big B said, we're going to test if you, even now. <laughs> John, first question. Let it rip. All right, Katie, we're going to start you off easy here. CFL started up this week, but do you even know which CFL team has won the most Grey Cups and how many? Is it the Ticats? I don't what? know how many. 
she was saying the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Also, the Tiger the Cats? Cats. Oh, is it? Uh, do they shorten that to Tie Cats? Yeah, yeah it's like slang, like Niners seems... or Forty Niners. Yeah. Seems... Oh, the guy <laughs> quizzing doesn't understand. <laughs> oh God. John, do you even know? Do you? <laughs> I do. I do know. No, the correct answer is the Toronto Argonauts with eighteen. Holy man! Well, they've had a billion Grey Cups, so that. Well, surprised. that's what happens when you only have like three teams in the league. <laughs> 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 All right, Katie, over one. Off the okay. same start I was last Crushing week. It. Moving on to number two, Katie, with another question coming from Sean. All right, Katie, there are four Canadian greats that have won four gold medals at the Olympic Games. I'm going to need for you to name two of them. So to phrase the question to go along with this game. Uh, do you even know two Canadian athletes that have won four Olympic gold medals? Um, Scott Niedemeyer? Uh, no. Okay. Um, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna, and I'll give you four guesses because there are four of them, but you just need to get two. So there's guess number one. Okay, Scott Niedemeyer, um, Chris Pronger? Uh, no. Probably not Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby? He has not won for no. No, he hasn't. You're 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 really close, and oh, you're gonna. Oh, because right. Um, you're gonna I kick yourself that... if you don't get this right. Oh, I know. I keep forgetting that um, the Pyeongchang Olympics didn't allow NHL players. Zoom in. Ooh. No, there's too much pressure. To zoom out. Big moment here, Katie. Um, God. Claire Hughes. Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No. Oh, Would you like to phone a friend? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, uh, fellow Canadian Madden is chiming in. Is this one, Sean? Cindy Clausen? 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 Clausen, hold on. Clausen, uh, if you're from the Midwest. No. Uh, this is so embarrassing. Over five, including Madden's guests. Yeah, we're over five here, man. Thanks for playing. Top medal earners, are you ready? The four Canadian athletes with four Olympic gold medals are. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> what the heck? Hold on. This is going so well, Sean. Oh, uh, you know what? You know what? Sean, Sean made a whoops-a-daisies. Uh, so, do no. you even know? I don't even know. Ah, oh, this is so terrible. How so, embarrassing. So, so, actually, so no, hold on, hold on. Katie was wrong for all three. Yes, Cindy Clausen uh, does have five medals, uh, but she has a total of one gold so mm. she doesn't have four gold medals so no i was right okay Ooh, she has what about five penny alexiak uh penny alexiak is she has four medals she only has one uh gold medal and that was at the 2016 summer olympics the four the four gold medalists the four four-time gold medalists are uh charles hamlin oh for short track yeah speed 2006, skater 10 14 yeah. 18 and 22 Jaina Hefford for ice hockey. This That's is the so one you're gonna. I this is the one, one you are going to kill yourself for. Haley Wickenheiser. Oh Haley yeah. Wickenheiser. Uh, okay, sorry. You're right. Ah, and then Carolyn Willette. Oh yeah. Oh god, that's I worked with a few of those women too. That's so embarrassing. Okay, we have to cut this part from the pod. <laughs> I really thought you were gonna I really thought you were gonna get uh Wickenheiser just because yeah. she is so well known. Yeah, what um, an idiot. 
I, I wouldn't have gotten any of those either, though, to be honest. But no, so I did not make an oopsies. I I, I was correct. Just took a minute to get there. I was kind yeah, of well, I was kind of well, hoping he screwed that all up. No, well, <laughs> Wikipedia kind of it's it, it's it's confusing, but no. But the, I guess the overall medal winner. Let's see. Um, Charles Hamlin has six total medals, four of them gold. Got a couple five-time medalists in there. I'm looking for Scott Niedermeyer. Um, he's not like on no, this list like at it, all. I, I, for I some like- reason, I was so men's hockey focused, which is very yeah. unlike me. Usually, I gravitate, but um, I forget that at the Olympics, um, there are athletes that can compete in multiple versions of their sport. Yeah. Like you can do like track if you yes. do. And so I don't know why I was thinking just men's hockey. How Although it should not come to a surprise that most of the medals come from the Winter Games. We got hockey, yeah. hockey, 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 hockey. I wasn't even considering uh, short track. <laughs> there are two. So Kathleen Heddle and Marnie McBean um, in rowing. Those are your top summer medal earners with four each. Three gold medals apiece. That's so impressive. Well, That's that so was a hell of a second question in a deep yeah. dive into the Wikipedia research <laughs> by Sean. I was um, learning something there, too, because I find it fascinating. Big B with a nice chime in here. He says, Sean needs to be a professional trivia planner. I... Uh, shut up. <laughs> Why are you zooming in on me, man? <laughs> I'm really having fun with the solos tonight. I'm having a real really fun are. time. That's how you get All people right. to come watch us live or later with the solos. All right, Ooh, Katie. I would love a live podcast. Nick, you got this, the last this one. This is live. The podcast is live. <laughs> I meant live and in person. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Katie, um, if those two weren't difficult enough, question oh, three, your final question from even now. Here we go. Listen for context clues. <clears throat> there aren't going to be any. <laughs> In the 1996 World Bowl, which in case you are not familiar, is the championship game for the now defunct World League of American Football, also known later as NFL Europe or NFL Europa, quarterback Jim Ballard and receiver Yo Murphy connected for three touchdown passes, leading the Scottish Claymores to a 37 to 20, excuse me, 32 to 27 win over the Frankfurt Galaxy. Each of these players listed Spent time in the Canadian Football League. Name one of the teams that Rough either Riders. of them played for. Rough Riders. Uh, uh, you get to, uh, wait, how many teams are in the CFL, Sean? I don't know. <laughs> Do I look like I watch the Canadian Football League? I mean, you know you enough. You It's pretty nice. All right, the Rough Riders nice is wrong. Well, actually, technically, he, ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did she get so, it right? So, well, she took a shot in the dark and she kind of got it right because she is correct. He did play for this. Yo, Murphy did play for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in as 2007. Knows. He culminated his career as a member of the Riders' Great Cup winning team in 2007. And then he promptly retired. He came back to the CFL. Uh, that was his second team in the CFL. He signed with the Renegades. Then he went undrafted in the CFL dispersal draft of 2006. Mind you, He'd been playing football for a long time at this point. So he did finish his career with the Rough Riders. Did you, you, Katie, can you tell us why you picked that team? Because at one point, I think there were different versions of the Rough Riders. Like, I think they would have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders playing the, like, Edmonton Rough Riders or something. You're right. So I, I figured that was the safest bet. And the Rough Riders are also, like, a really sought-after team. If you're in the CFL, like, it's kind of the team that's cool to play for. 
because it's just such a big deal. Like, I think it's people from Saskatchewan earmuffs, but I think it's all they have going there. So. Yeah. Which I don't understand because I don't understand Canadian geography still, but I'll take it's the like word for prairies. it. It's like prairies. It's right in the middle. It's just like a big rectangle of prairie and CFL. Man, I have a pop quiz for you guys. Do you know which um, CFL team Dwayne The Rock Johnson played for? Um, yes. No, uh, the Calgary Stampeders. You got it. Yeah, add it to my tally. Add no. it to my tally. Absolutely not. But you did get it. That was a fun bonus point. Uh, I'm, that doesn't I'm count for anything. Jazzed up right now. I told you guys I texted this to you, but when uh, I was at Epcot on Saturday, they had like little quizzes you could take along the way, and I stopped in Canada and tried to answer all the questions. I did pretty well. I did pretty well, um, except for uh, the girl behind the counter was like, all right, name all the provinces and uh, territories of Canada. And I'm like, all right, I got this. I can do this. And I was like going from like east to west, and I was nailing it. And then she's like, you're missing one province and two territories. And she's like, you're missing the Yukon, you're missing none of it, and you're missing um, the last province. I'm like, what's the last province? And she's like, it's where I'm from, New Brunswick. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You personally offended her. Never heard of it, I'm sorry. Well, Sean, if you really wanted to offend her, did you tell her that she actually skipped over the Canadian part the first time through? Yeah, talk about offensive. What did, I, what did I skip over? When you text us and you said, I'm at Epcot oh, I did. and I didn't even go into Canada. Well, like, we passed- Sean, are you just right, trying to hurt me? It was it was starting yes. to rain, so we dipped right into England. Okay, whatever, it's fine. I notably non-rainy England. Yeah, I was gonna say that's fitting. Okay, it's, it's notably <laughs> rainy Florida. It's all, it's all Florida. Yeah, okay. All right, we're done with this. Katie, good job with David now. She you got, got one, one at the end of yes. three. Nick sent me that question and I was like, Oh my God, this is way too hard. Well, I made it easy at the end. I just wanted to throw her off by giving her like a very complicated setup and then just be like, name a CFL team. They're probably <laughs> on one of them. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. We are going to switch gears. Uh, what's a good transition phrase for football? We're going to um, punt it away to the NFL. Nailed <laughs> Where- it. We are going to start our training camp preview series. We did this weekly. Sean also reminded earlier today he did not know how many divisions were in the NFL for a brief amount of time. I said six. There are eight. We're going to cover all six of them. It was a long day, guys. It was a long day. We're going to cover all six plus two extra ones. You don't need to pay for those two. You're not entirely wrong. There were six at one time. Then the 2002 realignment made it eight with four on each side. We are going to start with Sean's division. He covers one of those teams down there in the NFC South. Sean, will you like to take the lead from here, my friend? Sure. So what we're going to do is we're going to name each team. We're going to talk about their win total from last season. And then I'm going to give you guys an over or under on what you think they are going to do this season. So first off, we will start with the team I cover, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are your two-time defending NFC South champions. First time they've been able to say that in a long time. Barely last year. Barely. They finished last year with a great record of eight wins and nine losses. Yes. Stunning. Losing team won a division. Uh, No one thought it would happen with this 17-game schedule. But they traded Tom Brady for Baker Mayfield, uh, lost Julio Jones, 
stuck with their head coach, Todd Bowles, when a lot thought maybe he shouldn't, got rid of Byron Leftwich at OC, and hired a completely new coaching staff except for the head coach. Uh, also, Bruce Arians not going to be as active in a role this season as he is last to last season. So, having won eight games last year, guys, I am going to set the Bucks total at plus, minus, or over, under, whatever you want to call it, Six and a half wins. Oh, yeah, baby. Right in the edge this. of getting fired and barely hanging on. Oh, yeah. So here we go. Here's their schedule. Week one at Minnesota. Week two at versus Chicago. Three at home against Philly. Four on the road at New Orleans. Then they get a bye week. Then they head to uh, at home against bye. Detroit. At home against Atlanta. On the road to Buffalo. On the road to Houston. At home against Tennessee. Road San Francisco, road Indianapolis, home against Carolina, on the road against Atlanta, on the road against Green Bay, home against Jacksonville, home against New Orleans, and they finish off the season on the road at Carolina. Do you see six wins in this one, guys? I'll tell you, I see three losses in their first four. Um, I see four. One, I'll, I'll explain that in a minute, yeah. Uh, I actually think I so here's the thing I, I talked about this at length with some people down here I think the Bucks start 0-5 I think they start to hit the panic button week two with a weird loss to Chicago uh, and I think maybe they think about turning to Kyle Trask and getting rid of Baker Mayfield or at least benching him I think this is going to be the kind of season they're going to have the, the, you're going to see Kyle Trask at sometimes you're going to see Baker Mayfield at other times uh, I've again like I said over under six and a half I'm taking the under because I got him right at six one thing I'll tell you about this, Katie, Sean's really good at setting the over-unders like 90% of the time. Like he'll We were set, pretty spot on last he'll year. He'll set 32 of them and like 29 of them will be really good and three of them will be like, more, you know, we disagree. I'm going to go under as well for everything you just mentioned um, to the point where like I, as I tried to run down the schedule and I hate playing the schedule game, but I think it applies here because this is a team that has weapons and Baker could work with them. The offensive line, I'm sure I'm not hundred percent sure that they're going to be perfectly fine. Um, Ryan Jensen still is not 100%. He's wearing all two, pro center. two knee braces. Can you mm-hmm. confirm that two knee braces, Sean? Uh, I did not see him wearing any knee braces, but the only time I saw him last week, I was not at minicamp. I saw him at a uh, Cuts for the Cure fundraiser. Yeah, he's not going to wear nice. knee braces there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm going to go under and like maximum six, maybe five. Uh, first month is tough. That Eagles game is going to be a bloodbath and not in the way the Buccaneers want it to go. Uh, at least they'll be at home. Uh, it's probably not good. Fans will boo them there. Uh, it, it's going to be really rough because – this is not an easy schedule. Like I, I, the only chance I see of them really winning games are Houston, Tennessee, Indianapolis. Maybe they split with the Falcons, split with the Panthers. I mean, the rest of the schedule, and I don't know what Green Bay is going to be, but there's just not a lot of holes in the schedule where I'm like, yeah, they can win that game. They can win that game, no matter who they have on offense. I, I, I think this is going to be the, the year that exposes all the warts that Tom Brady was hiding. If last year didn't, this is going to be the year in which it does. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a reckoning, but – there is an interesting kind of two things going here at once where the Buccaneers are trying to take their first steps into the post Tom Brady era, like life without Tom who they didn't even expect to get at one point. They know what this is like. They had this with Jameis Winston and Josh Freeman and anybody else you want to list in between you, there. You can, yeah, you can keep going all the way back. But, to the 70s. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Baker Mayfield's playing for his NFL future. Realistically speaking, um, he's facing a career of Teddy Bridgewater. Very soon, if he does not produce this year, I think he should already be Teddy Bridgewater in this NFL uh, landscape, but whatever. So 
I think that desperation is not going to work out well. And by the time they get to the end of the season, Jacksonville, New Orleans, and at Carolina, yeah, two of those three at home. But what do we know about Buccaneers fans if, if they're struggling? I mean, they don't even show up when they, <laughs> they are playing well. There's going to be some half-empty stadiums, man, down the stretch there. And those are going to be games that they're probably just going to lay down. And some big changes could be coming. So we're going under. Sorry to take forever. Go ahead, Katie. Uh, I'll just start by saying that I'm really happy we're getting this division out of the way first in this exercise. <laughs> if we could relegate divisions in the NFL, this would easily be my first to go. Um, but I think like the division's wide open, I think, but the Bucks for me, yeah, like the massive, I think it's a pretty massive downgrade at quarterback. And I think the other teams in the you division- You don't got, say. <laughs> yeah. Well, like there's, there's people that are trying to justify Baker and like, I need to truly see it to believe it for a pretty large sample size because I've just never been a big fan of Baker Mayfield. But the other teams in the division got better, even if just marginally, and the Bucks got worse. So I, I, I have six and eleven as my record. So I'm going to hit the under. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Everyone else in the division, if just marginally, got mm-hmm. better. The Bucks did not. You had a massive downgrade at quarterback. Still a little banged up. Uh, their offensive line wasn't great last year and it's going to be very similar this time around too. So yeah, good, good thing. Any Intel on Dave Canales, Logan wants to know, interviewed him a few times when I worked for the Seahawks, but it seems weird. They hired him without any play calling experience. That was a huge talking point, Logan, when he got hired down here that he had never had any play calling experience, but from everything I've heard uh, out of minicamp and watched out of minicamp, um, he is instituting a very fast-paced, fluid offense because, again, you don't have Tom Brady back there anymore. You have Baker Mayfield, possibly Kyle Trask at some point this season. You have a young running back now in uh, Rashad White. They are trying to get the ball out as quick as possible and trying to create space. Think kind of like the Steelers a couple of years ago with Big Ben on his last step. They're just trying – I exactly, Nick. They're just trying to get the ball out as quick as possible into their playmakers' hands and see what can work. That's what it kind of looks like to me. Mm. But all the, uh, <laughs> all at least all the reviews, all the Yelp reviews coming out of minicamp were were that Dave Canales is a. Is so good you're saying three and a half stars gonna outlive his ranking despite bad business in years one and two? Yeah, possible. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Okay, because okay, that's the Matt Canada experience in Pittsburgh. Although I think they're headed in the right direction. So. That's okay. another discussion for another day. All right, Sean, next on this list is? Next on this list is the Carolina Panthers, who, like every other team in this division not named the Buccaneers, finished last season 7-10. and 10. They had the number one overall pick. They went up. They got Bryce Young. They got Adam Thielen. Um, obviously, they started last year with Christian McCaffrey. Don't have him anymore. Uh, uh, who was the wide receiver they sent to DJ Chark. D- oh, no, they got, they got DJ Chark. They got DJ Chark. But they, sent, the one they sent DJ Moore. DJ Moore, thank One you. One DJ for so, another DJ. So they, they again, this is a team that I, I, I guess they technically. I mean, they have a better quarterback. They have upgraded at quarterback, definitely. Um, but at the same time, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark. I don't know if that's going to do anything for you. Um, so they won seven last year, but I'm also going to set the line at six and a half for them this year. They have a rookie. They have a rookie quarterback, a good defense. But what else? Oh, I'm hitting the over on that one. What did I tell you, Katie? What did I tell you? Yeah. 29 out of 32. I gave you credit too soon. 
<laughs> I don't think it's way off. Like I, so much of it does really depend on Bryce Young and we haven't seen him yet, but I really like the coaching staff and I really like their defense. I think they've got a lot of exciting players on there and they're really young. So, and especially because the division is just pretty wide open, I think eight and nine, I don't think that's that unrealistic for them. So I'll tell you what, I actually on this uh, sticky note wrote down um, over under seven and a half. But as I was reading it, I just said, you know what? I don't want to give them that seventh one. So I'll go six and a half. I might have I might get burned for that. But uh, here's their schedule, by the way. They start off on the road of Atlanta, home against New Orleans, <laughs> New Orleans, New Orleans, <laughs> road against Seattle, yes. home against Minnesota on the road against Detroit and then Miami, home against Houston. Indianapolis, road against Chicago, home against Dallas, on the road against Tennessee, Tampa, New Orleans, uh, and then home against Atlanta, Green Bay, road against Jacksonville, and then finally wrapping up right here in Tampa uh, for week 18. Is that your Gene Deckerhoff? I heard a little bit of that there. Uh, I wasn't trying to, but fire the cannons to sound Tampa Bay. Let's see. Assuming they pretty much split with everyone in their division, I mean, no, maybe they beat Houston. I mean, that's going to be a fun game. It's it's the you know top two quarterbacks going against one another, um, and then again they that next week they turn around and they welcome maybe Anthony Richardson and Indianapolis. So, but again, I don't see a lot of surefired wins on this schedule. It is a pretty tough schedule because um, you have Dallas on there. You have New Orleans twice. You have Green Bay, depending on what they're going to be. You have Jacksonville. Detroit's not going to be a rollover. Miami, Minnesota, Seattle. It's not an easy schedule. So um, if I'm setting the line at six and a half, I'm going to also go under. I think they take it just a slight step back because of a rookie quarterback trying to get his feet wet. Katie, explain your, explain your over, please. I already did. I don't have a ton of points. Like, I think so much of it is going to rely on Bryce Young and what he looks like. But yeah, like I said, I really like that coaching staff. I think they were a team that I was cheering for at the end of last season because it felt like when they traded CMC away, it felt like they were kind of just going, Kate, that's it for the season. But they, they hung looked around. pretty good. They hung around in a really shocking way. And I just think their defense can win a few games for them, not just keep them in it, but I think they could steal a couple games. But they did think- that for a coach that's no longer there. Yeah, right, but, and I'm excited about the new coaching staff. I think that can be a pretty big upgrade for them. I think you can interpret that one of two ways, and I, I'm going to choose the latter, which is that uh, get, getting rid of Matt Rule helped everybody out a lot. Yeah. He's Lincoln's problem now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a, I'm sorry. He was a clown. Um, uh, it, it, you know, Steve, Steve Wilkes did a good job. You know, you can say what you want. Um, the, the Frank Reich staff and uh, David Tepper opening his wallet and giving him full agency to get whoever he wants at, at assistant coaching, you know, across his, his staff of assistant coaches um, it has been, I think, is going to be huge for getting Bryce Young acclimated. This is a guy who everybody has said handles himself like a true pro and has for years, prepared to take that job. From day one, which he already technically has, they've already moved him into the starting lineup, even in uh, mini camp. So it's just a matter of you know getting his feet wet and getting to the NFL game. I think they're good enough around them to win more than seven games. You know, you, you look at the receivers and you say, mm, I don't know about Adam Thielen and DJ Shark. You know, does that really ex- excite me that much? I like the rest of the guys in this group. I like the Terrace Marshalls, who the shy Smiths of the world. Terrace Marshall, I think, got buried unfairly by the the rule you know, regime 
you know, who, who decided to move on to, you know, other players in the roster, just not giving Terrace really a shot. Excuse me here. But, um, I, I like the rest of the, this is a defense that was very competitive the last few years. You know, you added some studs back there with Von Bell, you get JC Horn back as long as he can stay healthy. Um, you know, you, I, you have Brian Burns coming off the edge. You got Shaq Thompson still at linebacker. Frankie Lulu, one of the most underrated defend- defensive players in the NFL, in my opinion. Derek Brown is going to end up on a lot of players ready to break out lists this year. Um, it's a group that kept them afloat in the last two years while their offense struggled no matter who was playing quarterback. And I think if you've answered quarterback and you feel like you have enough weapons on the offensive side of the ball, which you went and got Miles Sanders to pair with Chuba Hubbard, um, I think they'll be more competitive than people think. You get Hayden Hurst at tight end. I like this group. You know, I, I think that they're better than seven wins. I'm not saying they're going to win 11 games, but in a wide open division, I think they are going to contend with who is likely the next team on our list uh, for this division and, and surprise some people. So you're going over? I'm definitely going over. All right, he's going over. I mean, it's eight uh, wins. The Buccaneers won eight wins last year without being able to move the football until the final two minutes of every game. Fair point. Uh, but you did allude to it already, Nick. Next team on our list, the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> they won seven games last year, went seven and ten. Uh, I think this is the team that probably just upgraded the most this year. They got Derek Carr. Uh, they have a healthy Michael Thomas. They'll have Alvin Kamara. Uh, and you have Chris Olave, who is, in all respects, one of the best young NFL, or, uh, NFL wide receivers in this league. So... I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt this time around. I'm saying, you know, over under eight and a half wins. They won seven last year. I think I'm setting it pretty easy here for them because I think this is the team that a lot of people are going to pick to win the division. So I'm setting it at eight and a half. And I, well, actually, let me read their schedule here before I say. I I think you know I'm going to say over, but not saying it yet. Uh, Saints start uh, at home against Tennessee, then on the road against Carolina, Green Bay, at home against Tampa, on the road against New England, on the road against Houston, at home against Jacksonville, on the road against Indianapolis, home against Chicago, road against Minnesota, bye week, on the road at Atlanta, home against Detroit, Carolina, and New York. Those could be three big weeks. And then on the road against LA Rams, Tampa, and then finally wrapping it up at home against Atlanta. I definitely see uh, more than eight wins on this schedule if Derek Carr can just kind of relax a bit and you know find himself again so this is my pick to to win the division i'm going over eight and a half for the new orleans saints go ahead katie um okay yeah i'm gonna take the over i have nine and eight for them um and i agree with two yeah yeah with what you were saying about the receivers i totally agree i think they could have the best passing offense in that division um Derek carr i think is the best quarterback for now, we don't know how long before right. Bryce and if Bryce Young could take that. But yeah, they've they've still got some guys on defense. They might be aging a bit, but their offensive line looks all right. Like it's not going to take a lot to win this division. That's it exactly. Is I think it's just pretty wide open for anybody that wants it. It feels like last season it was like the hot potato that nobody wanted to win that division. Damn, just when I was yeah, you're, not doing, you're not doing great with the zooms here. Nick. <laughs> well, anyway, well, Katie went you know, over. I went imagine over. Imagine a number of things here. <laughs> am, I, am, I, am I safe to assume it's going to be three for three here? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm just going to in and out, in and out. All right, anyways. <laughs> Amazing content for the audio listeners. Yeah, really. Nick, yeah. over under eight and a half wins for the Saints. Over, baby. Way over. I am. Way over. Well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to solo myself. How about that? Uh, I am a huge 
champion of quarterbacks who are unfairly maligned in football internet culture. Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, two on those lists right now. And here's why. Kirk Cousins is a next-gen stats stud, has been for years. He's a lot better than you think he is just because he's not as aesthetically pleasing in his play, and he's kind of a uh, square. Uh, he, he, you're not as <laughs> you know excited by uh, his persona and his presence on the field. But Derek Carr is a pretty damn good quarterback, okay? Now, I think that he got pushed out of Vegas unfairly. I think Josh McDaniels didn't want much to do with him from the beginning. There was really no reason to get rid of him by the end of the year. Derek didn't necessarily lose them many of those games. Uh, It was more of a team failure overall. He's had good years. He's led them to success when everything else around him has been stable and or better. And I think he's walking into a situation in – New Orleans, where he's going to get exactly that, which is, as you said, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, if he's healthy, Rashid Shahid, the undrafted guy who surprised a lot of people. You got a number of other studs on this team and Juwan Johnson. You got Foster Moreau off the scrap heap from Vegas. He's, you know, gotten a good prognosis on uh, his situation with his with his battle with cancer right now, too. So that's encouraging. Mm. I'm tired of Taysom Hill, but it's all part of that offense. So we'll deal with it as it comes. Alvin Kamara. Jamal Williams, did we forget that they signed him this offseason as well? Because he's also there. And you got a defense that's pretty strong. Now, I'm not a big fan of Pete Werner, but he puts together a good PFF grade every year as a linebacker alongside Demario Davis, a guy who is an ageless wonder. Uh, Paulson Adebo, kind of an up-and-down corner, but you've got a really solid secondary there with Teron Matthew, Marcus May, Marshawn Lattimore, Bradley Roby, and then Adebo there as well. And you got Cameron Jordan coming off the end, looking for that last contract in his career before he rides off into the sunset of retirement. They did lose a little bit on the edge this year. Carl Granderson's going to be their guy that's replaced uh, Marcus Davenport, who left in free agency. But overall, I think this team is legitimately the favorite to win this division. It's wide open. But because they brought Derek Carr in, a guy who is better than Andy Dalton, plain and simple, can answer the quarterback question, at least for now, and they paid him accordingly, by the way. It wasn't just, hey, one year, three years, and a whole bunch of money to come play quarterback. We're not going to deal with the uncertainty there, provided he stays healthy. And if he can get stability at that position, they have enough talent to find success in the win column. We're going over, baby. Saints are winning the South. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Let's wrap it up with the Atlanta Falcons, who... Like I said, every other team in the division, not named the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, finished 7-10. and 10. They finished off the year, however, with a win over the Bucs. Um, again, I, I don't know what we're going to get here with Atlanta. They they tr- seem to draft pretty well. Um, if they can figure out what to do with Kyle Pitts, that would be great. But it seems like right now the reins are being handed over to Desmond Ritter just to say, here, kid, let's see what you can do. Because of that, I'm going to set the line at six and a half. So over under six and a half wins for the Atlanta Falcons, because I don't think we know exactly what we have in this team. Um, They could be better than that, but they could very easily be a lot worse than that. I went way over. You went way yep, over. I'm betting okay. on the Falcons this season. Oh, Katie rates the Falcons. I, so I here's, freaking knew it. Here's their schedule. Uh, starting <laughs> off uh, at home against Carolina on the road against Green Bay, Detroit, uh, or sorry, at home against Carolina, home against Green Bay, road against Detroit, Jacksonville, home against Houston, Washington, road Tampa Bay, road Tennessee, home against Minnesota, road Arizona, uh, at home against New Orleans, on the road against New York Jets, uh, home against Tampa, and then on the road at Carolina, home against Indianapolis, and then to finish off the season, two road games against Chicago, 
who will probably be out to pasture by that point of the year, and then New Orleans. There it is. Hmm. Over under six and a half, guys. Katie's going way over. Okay. I think there's a world in which they could be 10 and seven. Whoa. Whoa. So Whoa. What, what are the Saints doing? So they're, so wait, so wait, you're choosing the Falcons to win the division. I was between the Falcons and the Saints. I, my gut yeah. still says Saints, but I, maybe I want to be a little spicy on the podcast. But looking at their defense, it's looked a lot better than it has in a while, which we're not used to saying. The bar is shockingly low for how bad their defense has been for many, many seasons in a row. I'm not super high on Desmond Ritter, but I'm not as worried about their quarterback situation relative to other teams. I think they'll be able to run the ball really well. To Why? me, to me, they Why? they feel kind of Titans esque this season, which I think is pretty risk reward. I don't think they're a no brainer to hit out of the park, but Bijan <laughs> Robinson, my guy, yeah, there it is. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I am a Bijan fan. I am, but I just think their team is a lot more complete, especially on defense, from what we're used to. And yeah, like I said, I think they'll run the ball really well. I've never gone into a season feeling a little bit excited to watch the Falcons, and I'm a little bit excited to see what they look like this year. I'll tell you what. So just reading through their schedule and looking through it, I will now go – I'll change my answer. I'm not going to change the line, but I'll, I'll, I'll say over because I see seven wins here, um, possibly even eight because, you know, at that point in the season, maybe New Orleans has already wrapped up the division – so that might be an eighth win, kind of like what they did last year to Tampa. Like Tampa already won the division. They didn't need to play for anything. So they took all the starters out, I think, after the first quarter, first half in that last game. So, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll go over as well because um, they, they were kind of playing all right at the end of the last year. But, I mean, I don't think they're a playoff team. Uh, but, yeah, I'll go I'll go over because they'll, like, squeak their way to, like, seven or eight wins. This is why this is always a fun exercise. And it's because – we can we can be so wildly different in our opinions and our expectations for teams. And oftentimes it's the wildest one on the positive end that ends up producing an accurate prediction. The Eagles were in that situation last year. Um, it's difficult because it's at six and a half. You said, Sean, six and a half. Is, I said is, six and a half. Yeah. Okay. So this is a team that has scratched and clawed its way to seven and 10 the last two years with talent that, was subpar in comparison to every other team in the league. Um, I have a hard time, you know, going against that group. And they also have a pretty nice, like, front seven. Uh, surprisingly, like, Calais Campbell was like, yeah, I'm going to Atlanta. David Onyemata, they have Grady Jarrett already. Bud Dupree trying to try to, you know, extend his career there. And they have uh, Adetokounmpo, Ogundeji, say that five times fast, behind him. That was one of my guys that I was looking forward to seeing the next season. Uh, AJ Terrell is a stud corner. They got Jesse Bates and Jeff Okuda, although Jeff Okuda was off the scrap heap. But uh, getting Jesse Bates was a big haul for them. They had a productive offseason. They got Katie's favorite player in Bijan Robinson. It all comes down, I really think. It doesn't really come down to quarterback, though, because like Desmond Ritter, they won seven games by running the ball. Like they, they gave up on Marcus Mariota as a passer in like week five. I think it was when they played the Browns and they ran it 12 straight times, went right down the field. They're like, oh, maybe we should just do this. So Katie has a really good point that they could become very Titans-esque and just ride Bijan. The question is, is does Bijan have the same durability that a Derrick Henry doesn't? I don't know. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be exactly like that. I think it's going to involve Tyler Algier. It's going to involve Caleb Huntley. And even a little bit more, Cordell Patterson mixed in there. He's you know, a guy that can do a little bit of everything. 
I just want them to throw a little bit more so we can see what Kyle Pitts can actually freaking do because oh my god, I know free him. Frustrating. Man, man is, yeah, he is so good and he is just kind of being restricted. Yeah, I mean the guy is in receiver hell at a, at tight end, and and mm-hmm. I. I don't know if Arthur Smith's ever going to free him because they're so adamant about, yeah, we're just going to ride with Desmond Ritter. I mean, it's it's frustrating because you see the potential everywhere else, but we have seen this work in the past. Now, it hasn't worked in the NFL in quite some time where you're not near elite at quarterback and win a Super Bowl, but it's been good enough to get there. I'm not saying they're going to get there, but I will be better than six and a half wins. They'll be over because they got seven wins in each of the last two years with like nothing. I'm sure they'll do it again. All right. So to recap... Uh, for the Bucks, I set the line at uh, over under six and a half. We all went under. Uh, for Carolina, I think we all took the. I think I took under. I went. You know, over. I don't remember. I didn't write any of this down. <laughs> anyway, that's our that's our NFC South preview. Nailed it. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll stick the landing better next time. <laughs> We've okay. got this for an hour and twelve minutes now. Yeah, let's just uh, move right on to hate it or love it. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't care which one of you goes. Just go. Go, Sean. Okay, I found out. Do we oh, We start with hate. Dang it, I have my love ready. <laughs> um, you know what I hate? I hate... An, uh, okay, so I went to uh, Disney World and uh, Universal over the last weekend. I hate people that have like those double-wide strollers that just, as you're walking behind them, just decide to stop in the middle of a very busy walkway and just like... Why? Why did you decide that now is the time to stop, right? When everyone is like walking in the same direction, you're like, oh, nope, I think I'm just going to park it right here. No, keep walking in the same direction. Stop being annoying. So if you have a stroller, if you don't have a stroller, just walk smart, people, when you're at these crowded places. I don't know. That was just annoying to me. (laughs) Katie, you're up next because I don't have anything yet. Um, My hate, so... I'm not proud of this, but the last few weeks, I found myself emotionally investing more in Lance Stroll. As we have one Canadian on the grid now. I know, I know, I'm not proud of it. We have one Canadian. Last year, it was cool because there was two of them and Nicholas Latifi, the goat, was like the obvious built-in kind of laughing stock that I feel like it took a lot of pressure off Lance Stroll, uh, country-wise. But this season, the Aston Martin looks so good and I was really hoping that Lance would be in a situation where he'd be in a good car and not that I think he would ever challenge Fernando Alonso, uh, the god on this earth, but I would like it to be a little closer. And I find that he's just so endearing. Like when I watch his interviews, I find myself cheering for him more and he's just got really cool energy. Like when he's sitting um, beside the track before a race starts and he's got his sunnies on his little umbrella and he just looks so cool. And I'm like, oh man, you're like getting easier to cheer for. And I never saw that for myself. But then there's also the sicko in me that's like, curious to see the Logan and Roman Roy of it all of like now that you have such a good car when are you gonna get the boot from your own very rich father like I I think it is kind of interesting that Fernando is blowing him out of the water so far that that what do you do with Lance like at one point does Lawrence Stroll start looking at his second favorite son Lance and say like, you're not worth all the money that I've invested into this company. It's all just pretty interesting. Sean, what was the old thing you said in your Lance Stroll impression? I mean, your Lawrence Stroll impression. Well, I'm very proud of my son, Lance, uh, but I will not be firing him because screw it, uh, he is a Nepo baby. (laughs) I don't know if that's 
I love you, but you are not serious people. <laughs> he's 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 not going to do that. I really don't think. I don't think it's going to come to that. I think he would rather just not be in Formula One than his son. And I, I guess that's kind of endearing at the same time because like he's not going to give up on his son, even though his son's clearly not it. But like, I think you know, as long as. Lawrence strolls in F1, Lance will have a seat. Uh, see, and I thought that forever, but this season, I'm, that's why I said the sicko in me is a bit curious about it, because billionaires don't get to become billionaires by being good, kind-hearted, empathetic people, <laughs> is my yeah, theory. Even to their own children. <laughs> exactly. So I'm curious to see if there ever is a situation where it's not an automatic, because for so, as long as Lance Stroll's been in F1, we've always called that just a closed-off seat. It's an automatic. He'll be in it. But I didn't expect it to be this far apart this season. It's just a little more interesting to me now. But also it's sad that it's interesting because I really like Lance now. What did Logan once tell Kendall? You have to be a killer. You're not a killer. He is not. Lance Stroll is not a killer. Spoiler alert, guys. (laughs) It was was the show yet. Three. I mean, my God. It wasn't even... John, you're in for a lot more surprises, let me tell you. (laughs) Things get crazy. All right, yeah. All right, my hate, in case you haven't been able to tell, I just came to this realization here, is uh, close talkers. And the reason I say in case you couldn't tell is because um, Bridget and I went to a friend's uh, engagement party on Friday and met a lot of nice people. Um, One who conversed with us with us very passionately. like She was very into the conversation and everything for a while. But she... uh, crept closer and closer to where we were like pinned up against like the counter in this kitchen we're like like at one point my hand was like leaning on the stool up against this counter and, and bridget was kind of leaning against it and all you heard the stool go because like it moved <laughs> and you turn around we're like we don't have anywhere to go she's getting closer and then as she was talking really closely to us every once in a while she'd stop and cough and i thought she was just like drying her mouth out from talking so much well two days later i wake up with a niche in my throat and and now bridge and i are both dealing with what we likely think we got some sort of cold from her so close talkers keep your space and i don't like it when you you know get, nobody likes getting sick i'm not sick but you know a little, little little congestion down there so that's my hate what's your love sean and or katie let's go to sean okay um i'm gonna keep uh amusement park related i found out that i have a love for roller coasters um i was always terrified of them growing up i was afraid of heights still am afraid of heights but i over the weekend i just kind of said hey screw it you know you only live once i'm probably not gonna die if you i did ride not these just things. Yo- you did not just yellow us i did i did i yellowed you and okay. uh no i had a lot of fun just kind of saying hey whatever let's just see if i like it if i puke whatever or let's just have some fun and it was fun so like i feel like I, I feel kind of liberated because i'm just like hey i rode all these roller coasters that like even like 15 16 year old sean would have been like i'm not touching those things wait were you did you not touch them because you were just scared yeah pretty much all right i need you to give the sales pitch to bridget next time you're here I was so but here's the thing i still wouldn't ride like a lot of roller coasters because like i what i hate is like that slow like lift hill where it's just like you can hear the clank 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 like i hate that it is the best None, the the best. anticipation no, i hate that yeah i hate when i can look down and i can see nothing but like pavement between me and my feet dangling 200 feet in the air 
what I liked about these rides at Universal was they all like shot you off at like 70 miles per hour. So you didn't have time to think about your life decisions. You were already like inverted on a loop like a mile down the track. So didn't matter, but it was really fun. So I suppose I like those kind of roller coasters, but what, it was kind of like a turning point in my life. So when are you I visiting next? Uh, Cleveland? Correct. Uh, July 14th, I believe. Dude, we gotta make a trip to Cedar Point. No, we're not doing that. I'm not, yeah. doing, the, I'm, I'm not doing the Millennium uh, no, Force. Not, no, not, not, not America's Roller Coast. Not those big ones. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Not doing Millennium Falcon or Millennium Force, Millennium or whatever Forest, it's called. Dude. Best Forest. roller coaster on the planet. Not even no, close. I'm not doing that. It is the best. All right, Katie, what's your love? My love is, I'll say Galvanize. That's what I was down in Nashville Yay. for. We had a seminar for women in sports, and it was so amazing and so powerful. Um, the wonderful, iconic Laura Oakman runs the whole thing. She's a mentor for each of us individually, and she's just so important in this industry and just in this world. But typically, we go down um, for a rookie camp. So the last few years, I've done the Chargers. So you go down, you work directly with the team and with the rookies and um, the first part of it is working with the women and then the second part is all the women working with the athletes and this was the first time we've ever done it where it was just all the women and usually there's a limit of like 22 of us and I think there were about 85 of us that had flown in for this so it was like so magical so cool we had so many amazing speakers like Pam Oliver was there she is iconic I got to meet one of my mentors in coach Lori Locus the only woman to ever win a Super Bowl as a in, on a coaching staff it was one of those moments where you look around and you can't quite believe that your life is real and those those come by so few and far between it feels but yeah i'm just like so eternally grateful for that network it's like a big family of women and it's tough on women in this industry just point blank so it's yeah. really nice that we have each other to lean on rather than to compete with so yeah that's something i'm really grateful for it's awesome that's cool. it's great great it's like fun too it was it was so yeah. fun we had a private concert we all wrote songs with Nashville songwriters. Like it was like she Whoa. knocked it out of the park. So this, it was so uh, cool. this was not just like some bar crawl in Nashville. This was no. I did a bit of that. Um, I used to live in Nashville, uh, so it was nice. Does. As one does, it's cool going home. Like yeah. I didn't live there for a super long time because the government wanted me out of there. Us Canadians, but Wait, you got booted out of the country because you're Canadian. It's very hard to work there. What You're the government. hell? Yes. The Nashville Predators tried to hire me in a full-time position. The government was like, she got to go. The Preds wow. aren't aren't notable enough of an organization. Like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it was. What did she have to do? Go work at a Kinko's? Where was Ryan Reynolds when you had to fake marry him? I'm just Jesus. describing the plot of the proposal. Here, uh, sorry. If that was the case, I would have real married him. Just, just for good measure. <laughs> Wait for that. Unfortunately, yeah. that Rue opportunity was not given forget to her. me. Oh, no, I can't forget her. She's so cool too. What a great couple. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Truly. Yeah. Definitely. And and yeah. Go wreck some. Woo. Yeah. Woo. Um. That's awesome, Katie. I'm glad. Good. Good Thanks. to have a sense of community and to network. Absolutely. And have some cool experiences and all that good stuff. That's awesome. It makes mm -hmm. me happy for you. Um. My love. Uh. I just forgot it. Um. Do you really uh, love it then? It, uh, no, uh, screw it. What do you no, no, like no. right now? Hate it or um, like it? Uh, that's the show, everybody. <laughs>
Thanks for tuning in. This has been episode six of the Gridiron Podcast. I'm Nick Shook. That's Katie Caldwell. Down there is Sean Barry. As a reminder, you can watch us on YouTube live and after the fact. Same thing with Twitch. You can find me on Twitch at the Nick Shook. That is where this lives on the Twitch side for now until we build a bigger audience. Thank you to everybody who hopped in the chat. If you got your comment up here, that's great. If you didn't, sorry. Um, we'll you know continue to get involved and, and hang out with us. It's great to have your participation as well. Uh, and in the words of Big B, I'm going to Disney World, Trent Dilfer. Um, this, uh, we can also find us on Spotify. You can find us uh, on Apple Podcasts, um, Amazon, whatever that platform is called. I still forget. Which is and if you want to do us a solid and leave us a quick five stars, great. Yes, exactly. And a review. If you that. leave one, review. maybe we'll read it out on the podcast. No. Nice. <gasps> maybe. Segment. We probably will. <laughs> no, we definitely will. So, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. All right. Until next time, for Katie and Nick, I'm Sean Barry. This is the Gridiron Podcast. What is it? Episode six, and we will PT. Wait, no. Do I don't? I don't do that anymore. We only did no. that last week, Katie. No. Good night, Canada. <laughs> Live life in the fast lane. Live, laugh, love. <laughs>